Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Footy Prime News and Such, your one-stop destination for footy news and such. Footy Prime, your almost daily footy fix. Oi, the boys on Footy Prime on occasion are known to use vulgarities and frankly appalling language. And sometimes tales are quite adult in nature. So keep the volume down if there are kiddies around. And thank you for listening. It is footy prime news and such, despite us uh, being let down in our last podcast. But regardless, Wonga and myself and Jimmy just steadied the ship and put together one of our all-time great shows. Uh, Craig's back this time around. Dunlop isn't. Still away. (laughs) Don't know where he is. We assume he'll be back on Sunday. I hope so, because otherwise I've got to host a damn show. And that's one too many hosts. For, for one week um how you doing boys are you, are you set for a big weekend for you or is it the the promotion playoff weekend for you where does your excitement lay craig well i know where jimmy's uh excitement lays no for no i'm gonna guess where yours is gonna be tomorrow <laughs> with liverpool yeah, amazing amazing so much stuff going on it's brilliant um there won't be a canada iran game though sadly on on the fifth we'll, we'll talk about that later on today as well, a bit of controversy there, a little bit messy, shall we say. But Jimmy, let's start with the Champions League. Um, so you got two teams, one of which clinched their league trophy a few weeks ago now. They're pretty chill. Um, they've been rested, not playing the full 11 for a while. They're, they're relaxed, they're calm, they're pretty healthy. David Alaba will likely be, be fit and available. Um, the other team was fighting to the death up until last weekend, of course, against Man City. Didn't quite get it done in the end. Close enough, though. Um, where does the advantage lie? The rested team or the battle-hardened team that, that's been having to push itself every single week? Uh, I think it's... Uh, it's. Look, I mean, we'll, we'll never, never truly have the answers, will we? But, you know, sometimes too much of a break is not good um, because you lose a bit of that momentum. Um, some players definitely could use that little break, but other players, and I know myself, I used to hate having the long break. I used to hate it because it took me out of my routine. Um, and I've always thought that the next game that I played after a long break, um, I struggled to get back into it again. It took me a while to get into the game as well, where is when I was playing match after match after match after match, it it suited me more because I didn't have too much time to think. I didn't have too much time to rest. And it was just game after game. And, and my body personally suited that 
as opposed to having that long break. So if I'm a Liverpool player and you're thinking the same way as I do, you'll be buzzing at your situation right now. I think also that it's a factor that uh, when you're playing such a big match, the adrenaline and the excitement of that will carry you through too. But Jimmy's right. Uh, there's some players that would like a break and some others that don't really ideally suit it. But like he says as well, you're right, Jimmy. I don't think we'll ever truly have all the right answers. There's no real theory on this. But uh, like you said, it all depends on the individual. But the but the event itself, I don't think nobody, like even Klopp, there's, he doesn't have to say anything in the dressing room about the occasion to inspire his, his troops just like uh, anybody else in the same situation. Yeah, people talk about the experience of Real Madrid and they've won 13 and these guys have got, you know, multiple rings, so to speak, right? That being said, um, Liverpool have got a lot of experience too, right? They've been to the final twice. They've won it once. They've lost it once. They've been to the FA Cup final, of course, this week as well. Um, do you think experience counts for anything at this point, Jimmy? Or are they just, once that whistle goes, you just, you, you're going for that, that potential, that, that biggest day in, in your career? Yeah, it doesn't doesn't matter what's happened in the past. It's about the moment. Um, you know, you, you two clubs with rich history in the Champions League. Um, you know, obviously Liverpool being the most successful uh, Champions League winners in, Europe, in in England, and then you're playing against Real Madrid, who's overall the most successful champions in in Europe uh, to win the Champions League. So, yeah, it doesn't matter about the past. Uh, it's about the moment, and it's going to be about the players and, and Craig's right. You know, this is, this is a game where the manager doesn't even have to say a word. You could just walk in and look at the players and just walk straight back out because the players know what's at stake. You know, this is a, this is an opportunity for them to, to win the, the biggest trophy in Europe. Um, and I'll tell you now, both, both teams will be ready for it and the players will be fired up for this one. I think it's going to be a, a fantastic match. I think it'll be a good tempo. Um, and I think it's going to be a, an enjoyable Fan, uh, game especially for the for the neutral yeah Craig Jimmy says there about what happened in the past doesn't matter right but Mo Salah says this week he's looking for revenge for that that game last time out when when Sergio Ramos hacked him down and took him out of the match um he maybe you're just saying it for us a clip for for the media do you think I mean he's not even there anymore Ramos he left right apparently he's at PSG who knew <laughs> but that's where he is Right, but I mean, do you think there's any Does of that? Salah know that? Oh, well, I know, maybe, maybe not, right? Maybe not. I mean, they, they played last season as well, right, in the knockout rounds. Real was better than Liverpool. I mean, was that just one of those things that perhaps the media jumped on perhaps more than, than Salah intended? Uh, yes, I do. I do anything like that. I, I, you know, if he wants to, to get himself going and really into the moment and uh, so be it but uh, I, I don't uh, honestly think that anybody in sports is going into something as as revenge if you're thinking about that going into the match you got your your mindset's wrong quite honestly i think yep. you you have to be professional yeah. about what you're doing and don't think about revenge or trying to take somebody out because in the end you're potentially going to hurt your team so i don't think sal is that sort of player and uh, i think he's just trying to almost inspire himself yeah i agree i agree with with Craig on that big time, um, you know these these are games where you you've got to play with controlled emotions, um, because it's it's one mistake is going to cost you that game, um, and they can't afford to make any mistakes in this one. Now Fabinho is apparently training. Uh, Tiago is apparently training. Um, I know Klopp's about to speak actually as we record this. 
So as it stands right now, they seem to be relatively healthy. Alaba, as I mentioned there, um, has been training a week. He says he's good to go as well. But you know that guys aren't 100%. I'm, I'm curious, like, what was the lowest percentage you went on the field at? And did you have to lie to your manager saying, no, I'm, I'm fine, Gaffer. Get me out there. I'll, I'll be okay. Jimmy? Personally, and, and every footballer will tell you this, you never play a match 100%. Never play. You've always got something something going on, you know, whether it's a little niggle, a small injury, or, you know, you're just fatigued, you don't feel right. I don't think I've ever walked on into a stadium and onto a pitch and went, oh, I feel a million bucks today. I'm ready to go. You know, it's just because you look how many games that they've played throughout this season. They've played so many games, and it's the last one of the year. Like, that, it's a grind. A season is a grind, and it takes a massive toll on your body. And none of these guys will be going into this match 100%. There's no way. But did you lie to your manager? With that, all the time. All, all the time. All the time I lied because I wanted to play. So regardless of what, what was wrong, the only time that I would, I would come off or not play is if my leg was hanging off and I couldn't move. And then I'd be like, look, I, I can't play. But majority of the time, the manager said, how are you? I'd be like, oh, fuck, great feel amazing even though I wasn't but I just wanted to play because I knew as well if I didn't play there's an opportunity where I could lose my job where the next guy comes in if he plays well then I'm on the bench next game so you, you didn't want to give anybody an opportunity to play because the guys on the bench they want to start and the guys that are starting don't want to come off the pitch because they know that that guy that's hungry to play he could take your job so that's why players lie all the time yeah, and is it going to be an interesting one whether you look at the uh, Nottingham Forest uh, on Sunday, or or whoever wins that uh, playoff final for that matter? Uh, one of the major problems for them is this has extremely long season. This playoff is you know lingers way into where we are at the late May. Those guys, if they do make the Premier League, that club has basically a month to sort themselves out and get ready to play in the Premier League, but they can't do anything beforehand because they don't know if they're going to have hundreds of millions to deal with or nothing. And that can be a problem. Um, the, the lack of time and preparation to get into the Premier League can be really, really be a problem. Yeah, Forrest playing Huddersfield on Sunday. And, and Craig, you mentioned, I think, in the last show or a couple of shows ago, how certain players might look at that match. Now, obviously, you want to win promotion and be part of that. But some of those guys might think to themselves, you know what, if, if we get promoted, they're going to probably reinforce the squad. And I know that I'm I'm good, but I might not be that good, mm. right? Do you think mm-hmm. that? I mean, but take me into a player's mind, right? Is the biggest game arguably in that club's recent history, as it is for Forest and, and Huddersfield. But put me into the footballer's mind, the guy that thinks, man, he, that I, they'll, they'll replace me if we go up. Well, that's right. I mean, everybody involved with the club, the club itself, the fans, everybody's excited about getting promoted. But the individuals on the players and the staff – They'll be thinking about, hmm, what, how does this play out for me? Um, Richie Larea hasn't been able to get into the starting lineup except for one game because the team has been absolutely flying. When he has got in, he's done well. But is the best thing for Richie to be promoted? Well, it's hard to say to yourself, I want to give, I'm going to give up on a chance in the Premier League because that's the pinnacle. That's an unbelievable place you want to be and fight for your spot. Or do they not win the final and they end up staying in the championship and they, they get rid of a couple of players, Spence gets sold, uh, opens up opportunities for Richie Larea and he's ever present next year. 
and he plays every single game. Um, so it's really hard to say. A lot of that will have to will come down to Richie and how he's performing and whether they think he can make that jump up and uh, and be a starter in the Premier League. That's going to be the big decision if they get uh, if they get the job done on Sunday. At the same time, it, you know, every year it seems a new hero is born, right? And, and it might be a Richie Larea who at Wembley in the biggest game comes off the bench and he scores the goal or sets up the winning goal, right? And, and then everything changes as well. It's, that's why I love this match. Well, obviously, I'm focusing on the Champions League this weekend, obviously, but that match is just, it's must-view television, isn't it? It's just so special. It is, and it's just because of the magnitude of the situation, the richest game in sports. I don't see any other sport where you can basically be paying for a quarter of a billion dollars with all the money that you're going to get and the parachute payments if you were actually relegated the next year, or you walk away with nothing probably about 60 grand or something like that for TV money for the game itself. It's devastating. Great. I never played in the final because like, and I don't think Jimmy either did. Yeah, I think we were promoted directly, luckily, uh, in the two spots that <laughs> get promoted. Don't want any part of that playoff system. But if you do win it, it's got to be a really f- unbelievably fun situation. I know Paul Pescasolito has done it through that system and that way, but I wouldn't want to lose it. That would be devastating. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jimmy, you played in the semifinal, right? Against Pesci. Yeah. Explain that to us. Can you? Why, man? What, Why what, you, what are the memories like, you gotta Jimmy? Keep bringing that one up, eh? <laughs> you gotta keep bringing that one up. I'm not making fun of it. No, I mean, we, I, we, I'm actually curious about just the emotions of the occasion. Yeah, look, it was. Uh, I remember we we played at the City Ground. I think we drew. Was it one one? Um, and we went back to Bramall Lane. And, and blew it. Uh, we blew it. We were up. I think we were up two <laughs> nil. Marlon Harewood. Uh, took a concussion um, we had to change and uh, it gave it gave the blades uh, some momentum and uh, it, we, we ended up losing that match Pesci scored as well he came on he was he was dubbed the super sub you know and uh, but the atmosphere was electric it was heartbreaking for us uh, because we felt that we had a good enough squad that year to go up to the Premier League um, and uh, yeah, it was it was an emotional roller coaster. I'll tell you that for sure for that for that game because you know you're playing and you're up two nil and you're thinking, oh my god, but we're we're going to the we're going to the finals now. And I think it was Wolves or something that was we were going to meet. And we knew that we could beat them. Um, and then all of a sudden to to lose that match in the second half and you just it went the highs were so high and the lows were just unbearable and um, and we we knew as well because at the end of the season we felt there was going to be some changes as well because you know we we had a lot of young guys and I think at the time you know that season was it you know Andy Reid ended up leaving uh, uh, mm-hmm. Michael Michael Dawson left and and I think every player on that Forest team the next year left and within a year and a half all were in the Premier League playing and it was a young young squad. And every player, the starting 11, ended up in the Premier League. And I think it was, you know, we had Darren Huckerby. He went to Norwich. Uh, Darren Ward, Matty Louis-Jean, myself, we were in Norwich in the Prem. Marlon Harewood went to West Ham. Uh, I think it was JJ at the time. Like that that year ended up going to Newcastle. So, like, we had so many players that ended up going uh, to the Premier League. And we just felt if we could have kept that squad, we we would have held our own. That's a great exa- great example of but what happens when you don't actually get through that playoff system and what ends yeah. up happening throughout the club, selling players off and don't have the finances to keep them. 
temptation offers. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's exciting. It, it's, it is. It's, it's crazy because you think like even you look at the four squad right now, you know, like with Spence and, and Brennan Johnson and all these young guys are like they've, they've got big clubs looking at them right now that want to buy them. And if they don't go to the Premier League, the club's going to have to turn around and go, well, we've, we've got to sell you now and make, make the money. Mm -hmm. You know, and at the time, back in, uh, with Force, I mean, we, we saw Michael Dawson to Tottenham, Andrew Reid went to Tottenham, JJ went to Newcastle, and they, you know, they started making all, all this money from these, from these players. The trouble with Spence, Jimmy, is that he's actually on loan. So to, uh, Force have... No, they don't. But, I, you know, I think if they do go up, I think they'll, they'll definitely try to put a bid for him. Where's he on loan from? Middlesbrough. Oh, Borough, okay. So they'll definitely make a bid. But at what point, as a, a, a team already established in the Premier League, seeing his performances and think, oh, that's some of that, and they'll outbid? Yeah. Well, I think, I think Arsenal's having a look at him right now. Which would help Richie. Yeah. Is that but part saying of the that, reason why they spend a million you, bucks on the backup? Yeah, but you, you do need a big squad when you get into that Premier League. When you, when you see these promoted clubs coming up for the first time and they still had to sell their players to already established Premier League teams. I always think that is so unfair. You know, they've done everything to get the team there, but the team has no choice but to then take advantage financially before they've even stepped a foot in the Premier League. Buendia was an example, right? Last year. And I mean, it just, it must kind of cut through a room as well, right? Mm. It does. It really does. Money talks at the end of the day, and uh, yeah. you see that happen an awful lot. It's a it's a tough world for millionaires to be able to play in the world of billionaires. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, but, we, but I think I think you you, you got to keep in mind too, though, right? That if you've got a player and you're going up to the to the Premier League, and you've got a valuation on this player, and you turn around and say, "Oh, this this player is worth fifty million," then you as a club. I've got to pay him what a 50 million pound player is. So his wages now all of a sudden are going up to 50, 75,000 pound a week. Now the smaller clubs would be looking going, fuck, how do we, how do we afford that? We're, we're better off selling, cashing in on him because his agent's knocking on the door going, if you valuate that guy at that much money, then pay him because you can't yeah. say this player is worth 50 million and then pay him five grand a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly exactly you know what i mean so there's a lot that comes it's, into play with the whole yeah whole you can't just throw money crazy because i mean as a smaller no. team say forest say it's huddersfield you know there's no guarantee they're going to stay up right they exactly. want to yeah but they can't suddenly throw out these contracts to this and a year from now they're screwed and they can't get rid of it mm -hmm. yeah yeah. Well, that's what happened with Ipswich Town back in the you know early 2000s when they were promoted. I was at West Ham at the time. They got promoted into the Premier League, and the very first season they they finished fifth. So the club's like, "Wow, we've got a great squad here. Finished fifth. Worst case, we're going to stay in the Premier League for years. They're not getting relegated. Put them all on long term contracts. The next year they get relegated, and the club went into administration. Yeah, but so wait, it, didn't, didn't you guys go into your uh, Europa League that that year? Yes, it was the same year. Yeah, they were same in year. Europe. Yeah, so they did flying. okay. Yeah, they, they did flying. very good. But they end up getting caught, and those contracts you're giving players, they're 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 not signing contracts that their wages go down when you if you got relegated. You're not going to be able to track those players. They're not going to come for that. They're no, 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 no. Yeah, and they'll just sink a club down yeah. and down. Look at Leeds being that, the prime example, that, the poster boy for that, right? Yeah, that yeah. Ipswich team. 
Like they they had some good players. Yeah, Matty Holland was captain, wasn't he? That's or right. Magilton was there. No, yeah, Magilton, Matty Holland. Yeah, they were uh, they were a solid solid unit. Yeah, very good team. But it put them oh, yeah. in a really bad situation when they got relegated. We we I put it on 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 Twitter. Um, my buddy, who's a huge Bristol City fan, he found an old program Bristol playing Ipswich. And hmm. uh, there's a very, very young Jimmy Brennan in one of the pictures being skinned by someone. <laughs> where, did you, where, where did you put this? <laughs> you know, my buddy, no, my buddy was, uh, he's, uh, he's from Bristol. You know, my mate who's, uh, you know, diehard Jimmy Brennan, Bristol City fan. He went back to England for a vacation, went through his dad's attic and found a box of old programs. And uh, he found this one. But you actually get a mention in this, Craig, in the, in the Ipswich you weren't even playing at this point. But there's a little section here. Where is it? Let me find it here. Hang on. Oh, my God. This bloody thing. Bear with me here. I'll put it on, on Twitter. Yeah, as our, uh, as our listeners love this silence, I want to ask a question then about Brentford having a good season this year. I know you've told me before, Craig, that if you make it up into the Prem and then have a fairly good season – you get another bucket of money, correct? Mm-hmm. Well, what, what happens is, Dan, is that it would, uh, if you could survive your very first year in the Premier League uh, and get relegated then, say, the next year, you get yourself in a position where you would receive all the parachute payment money for the three years as opposed to getting relegated in the first year, which is still decent but not quite as good. So now they've stayed in the Premier League. They put themselves in a really good position. Uh, as we know with prim- uh, promoted teams that do well, we see this happen in the first two is going to be the real difficult one for them. It, it just And so where just, do they, yeah, where does. do they have to line up in this, their second year? Where, like, is it just make it through again? Oh, that's all they're trying to do. They're not trying to make Europe. They're not trying, they're just trying to finish fourth from bottom. They'll take that next year. And that's the big, a bigger payment. That's literally what they're trying to do. Well, no, they all get the same so, payment so when they're staying in there. It's only when they get relegated that the parachute payment would then come into play, right? That's why, I mean, the parachute payment is so important. Well, it's important that if you get relegated that you use it wisely because you've got the opportunity to bounce back and forth like Norwich do. If you don't use it wisely and you then, after three years, lose any of that money, you just become the rest of the bunch who have all had time in the Premier League and they now don't have that uh, parachute money. Look at the teams that come up, Fulham, Bournemouth, both on parachute money, right? Sheffield United, still on parachute money. So they've got more to spend, and they're very hard to compete against for the other championship teams that don't have those resources. Well, I think Brentford's a really good good club to mention there, in that it'd be very easy for them to get carried away, but it seems that ownership is really smart. The way they've gone about their business, they haven't got the academy, yeah, it's it's. I don't want to use the term money ball, but it's pretty close to that, right? And the players they procure for for low costs. Ivan Tony could move for a lot of money, mm-hmm. good profit. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think they're smart enough not to overspend. But man, they were a mid-table team this year. It's not as if they just snuck into and, and survived. It must be tempting. Yeah, it must be tempting. Uh, one of the great things is that they they were clever enough to to think outside the box. And I think we talked about this before, but the fact that they don't have a use system, um, the FA would give them a million and a half, I think it is, uh, toward their use system. They then put in another million and a half, so you got three million. But 
what was the point for them? Just because of the geography of where they are, you're surrounded by massive clubs in London who are going to get the pick of the litter of all the young players in the London area that want to go to Chelsea, Spurs, West Ham, whatever. And then you got Brent Brentford. They're like, nobody wants to come here. So why don't we just scout all those other teams in London and wherever they can't keep everybody. And we'll look for those guys that are second on the list, late developers potentially. And they've done that brilliantly. And they, uh, that is why they managed to get in the premier league. Very, very clever system. And uh, they've done brilliant. So I'm a massive fan of the way they did it. It's like London's a big couch, right? And they're sitting on the couch, putting their hands down the cushions, seeing what's down there. Can they find some spare change? And they right. find some spare change, some good players that just slip through the cracks down the couches. right? But I mean, Christian Eriksen, right? So he goes there, right? Great story. But he's a prime yeah. example. He's a guy that probably wants a lot more money um, and, and can go to Spurs or whoever it's going to be. And it must be tempting, though, for Brentford to say, man, we can overpay for him and keep him here. Wow. But is it smart business sense? Probably not. But he was a large reason why they stayed up. He was. No, they took it was fantastic. Yeah. It's tough being a, a, an owner of a football club, I guess. Um, back to this uh, this program. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's Bristol City Ipswich, but they've got a thing called the Match to Remember. And it was back League Division 2, April 18th, 19th. And... Uh, I just go over some of the uh, the paragraph here. After some close shaves at both ends of the field and two fine saves from Ipswich goalkeeper Craig Forrest, City deservedly took the lead in the thirty seventh minute. Oh, Rosinio, <laughs> well, yeah, you really screwed up there, Craig. My God, I, re- I actually remember it well. well. I remember it well. Do you really? Yeah, I do. No, because if we had won that game, we—I do. Because if we had won that game, we would have been automatically promoted. We we were on the verge of it. We took thousands down to Bristol, and expecting us to win and clinch promotion, and we so didn't. Confirm, this is pre pre Premier League, right? So this is the last year, I think, of the first division. So you're in the second division, looking for promotion to the first division. Yeah, and we were top of the wow. table, and it, it was inevitable, but. We didn't clinch, and then we ended up having to do it the week after at Oxford, I believe. Okay. So you weren't playing in this match, though, that the program's around for. So George Burley's the manager. Okay. Keepers were Lee Bracey and Richard Wright. Where were you? West Ham. Not, not 92, Wait, though. No, what year is it? Right? Wait. That's not 92. Sorry, no, you're man. right. No, sorry. The match remember was 92. So what year is this? Let me find out what year this is. You're obviously at West Ham. Jesus. Yeah. That's probably right. 96. Charms. Get it right. Because they, they ditched you because Richard Wright was coming along, right? 98. <laughs> Future England goalkeeper. Thanks, so, thanks so, for yeah, kind of. seeing this. Sharms is, on a, Sharms is going I'm to the library, to, reading I'm, from I'm, an encyclopedia. It's on my phone. And the way, you know what it is? You know when you get these pictures and you turn your phone, it goes upside down? It's no, do you know what I bet you that is? Because I saw, I just looked, I saw the picture. There's there's one with me and uh, we're playing Sunderland. Nicky Summerby's in the picture. So that would probably be 99 because in okay. 2000, I went to Forest and I think it was 2000, 2001, Nicky Summerby came from, he came from Sunderland to Forest as well. Okay. So we became okay. teammates like a year later, a year and a half later. There's some good players on Ipswich. Jason Cundy was there still. Tony Mowbray. <laughs> They had great players, yeah. man. They had a yeah, wicked I know, squad. Absolutely. Um, Kieran Dyer. I forgot Kieran yeah. Dyer was at Ipswich. Was he there, Craig, when you were there? Or was he just coming through? 
It was, it was just starting to come through the U system pretty much. And, was he? Yeah. Maddie yeah. Holland? Uh, Maddie Holland was not there when I was there. Okay. Jim McGilton as well. So a lot of ex well, managers came from, from that, that team. David Johnson up top. Yeah, it's interesting, right? There's some pretty good players back in those days. Maybe you left yeah. too soon, Craig. <laughs> no, well, you never know. But I tell you what, uh, that West Ham experience was something that uh, I'm glad I never missed out on. Even. No kidding. No. I would have stayed at Ipswich forever. I was there for 13 years. It was comfortable. West Ham is in East London and that whole that whole cultural thing in London is, yeah, it was something that I really enjoyed. Did, it Did take you get a testimonial? You... Did you get a testimonial out of uh, Ipswich? Oh, Jimmy. No, I, no, I didn't, Jimmy. I was oh, there for 13 Jimmy, why years. Why would you ask that? <laughs> why, why did they not give you a testimonial? Because they're cheap bastards. Yeah, uh, yeah it, it, you're always, always next to They line, still might, Jimmy. Jimmy, they still might. Well, you know, yeah. normally after 10 years, you get it. All exactly. joking aside, though, I mean, that I is bullshit. Only... It's, it's complete bullshit you weren't given a testimonial after 13 yeah. years. Kidding 200, me? 260 odd games as well for the club, and they couldn't give you a testimonial. No wonder you barely talk about them half the time. <laughs> no kidding, eh? Tractor Honestly, boards. yeah. That's the thing, man. It's like, yeah, they'll give you a testimonial to bend over backwards, and then when they're done with you, they're done with you. So if you don't take advantage of getting that testimonial, you, you just don't. And, he, and, and then that's where the nastiness of football comes in. And the, the part that I really hate about it is that, uh, you know, I get released from West Ham, even though there was a contract on the table, but they see me as damaged goods. Thanks a lot. And then to sort out a testimonial between West Ham and, and Ipswich. And the agents that are very quick to do contracts because they get a nice big chunk, yeah, they don't make any money doing testimonials. And, and as you know, Jimmy, in testimonials, the actual player has to take a step backwards because of the tax-free implicant, blah, 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 into it. So somebody else has to have a form a committee working for you. Um, I needed something that, and I thought my agents would probably help out and push it, switch a little bit about getting a game done. But uh, that wasn't the case, and I was too busy trying to get over uh, not cancer. Mm. Yeah. Fade to black. I'll, I'll give it this. Fade <laughs> to black. Fade up on black. Twenty years later, Footy Prime. No, but in between there, one in between there. Hi, I'm Brendan Dunlop. This is Footy Prime. <laughs> Lost our bets. <laughs> then come back. I feel kind of guilty now, though. Should should we have given Dickio a testimonial when he left Footy Prime? Mm. What for two like years? That. He did like hundred odd shows, didn't he? He must have done. Yeah. No, it doesn't matter about games. It's a, how many years? You it's be 10, ten years before you get a testimonial. But what's the one year of podcasts? Yeah, I was going to say one year of podcasting is equivalent to ten years of. Uh, I think so. Prem, prem career. Yeah, I think so. Could... Okay. Well, we <laughs> hey. owe him. At what point did you um, when when you leave a club? Okay, Jimmy. You know, be it Bristol, Forest, Southampton, uh, Norwich. TFC. Does it take a while to feel part of that club? Do you still feel that you're still a Bristol City fan or, or player for, for a while? At what point do you say, no, I'm now 100% embedded here or do you never get that quite that way? No, I'm – look, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of, you know, the, the clubs that, that I played for. I always follow them and look at the standings to see where they are. Um, but I think, you know, there's certain clubs that you, you really fall in love with where you just go, yeah, you know, this was – 
probably the, the best time of my career that I loved. You, you love everything about, you know, the, the fans, the club, the players, the coaching staff. And, you know, for, so Forest for me was, uh, you know, it's, it'll be a club that I always support in the UK. Um, you know, Bristol was amazing because Bristol was the, the club that gave me my opportunity. Um, and I came through the youth system. I learned my trade at Bristol City. Um, and, you know, when I came out of the, the youth team into the reserve team and then broke into the first team, um, you know, I, I wasn't there too long. I think uh, maybe a year, two years playing first team football and then I was gone. I was sold. And it was Forrest that bought me. And right away you're thinking, okay, this is a club that's paying money for me now. And obviously they, they like me. They like what they see. And, you know, I just I fit in really, really well when I was at, at, at Nottingham Forest. So that's a team that, that, I, that I support. You know, Norwich, I got, you know, had some great times there. Got to play in the Premier League as well. Um, and then Southampton was a was a short spell for me. I enjoyed it. And then Toronto FC because it was the whole the building process and being making, uh, being a part of history. So, you know, my team in, in North America and is is Toronto FC. I hold it close to my heart. And my team in Europe is uh, is Nottingham Forest that I support. How did you, how were you sold? Speaking your, of Danny mm, Dickio. Go ahead, so I was just jumping in Keep there going. with Danny Dickio again. Uh, Our we've, got, buddy. we've got a delay here. Go uh, ahead, Craig. Great, result, can, for, can, great uh, result for his team. He's not going to be on the podcast anytime soon. They won their game in the uh, U.S. Open Cup against San Jose Earthquakes. Wow. Oh, great. great result. Taking out an MLS team. Yeah. And he's that team Sacramento, they got, they got great supporters. I could see why they were lined up to be in an MLS team. They're really well supported. Decent we'll get each on the show at some point. Yeah, good. For, maybe Keep we'll saying get that, him before the next round. Yeah, but Jimmy, yes. Yeah, so, so, how were you told you were leaving Bristol City? Was it a surprise well, there, or were there rumors? No, there was rumors. It was you know there, there was starting to um, be a lot of a uh, lot of attention, especially in the newspapers. You know where they talk about all the rumors. You know, in the Sun and the Star or, or the Mirror. Sorry, um, so. You know, I knew something was happening. Um, managers told me that there there was a few teams that were looking at me. Um, Bristol tried to offer me a new contract as well, um, and uh, I knew that something was something was coming in, uh, along the uh, my my way, and I just didn't know where I was going to go. Um, I, I had some good clubs that were interested. Uh, I had uh, had West Ham was interested, Wimbledon at the time. Um, I had Deportivo La Coruña, um, and then I ended up uh, getting a call, and it was probably about eleven o'clock at night from the chairman, saying, uh, "Jimmy, listen, we've uh, we know there, there's been a few bids that came in for you, um, but we've accepted one from Nottingham Forest, and you know if you want to go, you're more than free to. Otherwise, you know if you want to stay, then we can." you know, renegotiate, renegotiate your contract. And, and, you know, when I looked at that force team, the, the, the players that were there at the time, it was like, Oh my God, like, you know, this is not, what year was this? I, I want to go. This was 2000. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's where Mark Crosley, Dave Besson were there. And I think we had, uh, Desi, Desi Walker, Chris Barr Williams and you know, Dougie Freeman. We had a lot of, a lot of good players that were, that were in that squad. David Platt was a manager as well at the time. So I'm thinking, oh, my God, <laughs> David Platt, England captain, you know, Arsenal legend. He's, he's looking at me. So I, I was like, yeah, I want to go. I want to go to Forest. And then uh, the next day, I, I drove up to uh, Forest, signed the contract. 
jumped on a bus and my first game was against Barnsley. <laughs> <laughs> what a quickly. treat. Yeah. <laughs> at, at Oakwell. Oh, it was a disaster. Oh, double treat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so this is 2000. I'm going to do the math here. 2000. And you mentioned that West Ham were, were interested. Now, Craig, you left West Ham in 2001? Uh, 2002. Two? Yeah. So you were at West Ham when they were interested in Jimmy, but they chose not to actually, in the end, buy Jimmy. Was there something you told them about Jimmy? That well, that's, that, I wasn't going to bring that up, but uh, yeah, there was a few words. Uh, I said you should absolutely <laughs> buy him. Don't buy him. Don't buy him. Don't buy him. Uh, he's a great guy. You know, he moves really well. He's got pace. Don't buy him. Don't buy him. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be terrible in the dressing room. <laughs> No, but there, there was a, there was a, a lot, a, quite a bit of speculation. So I, I, I had no idea where I was going to go. No idea. Still, it's just funny. You just, you just get that phone call, and obviously, you know, teams start putting bids in, and you know, they, the club as they do, they turn, they turn things down, um, and you, you're, you're not privy to it, right? You don't know who they're saying yes to, who they're saying no to, until the right bid comes in. They're like, "Yep, this is one that we'll take," and you're free to go if you want. But you it have really to, is a crazy you have to do your own personal terms too, right? So if you don't agree your own personal terms, that can make a deal fall apart too. Yeah, 100%. 100%. It is a crazy life. I mean, we, we, we talk about it a lot as if it's normal, but for the average bloke myself or JC or, or Wong, I mean, put yourself in that environment. Anytime you get a phone call, yeah, you, you're leaving. No matter, yeah, kids in school, you could be married. Hey, by the way, we're moving to Barnsley. Could happen that quickly. Yeah, it is nuts, isn't but it? It's it's crazy how it works as well because like you, you actually you get bought. It's like cattle. Yeah, <laughs> there's a there's, it's no different. Nice cow buy that one, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then you're just you're picking up your bags and away you go to the next place and then you're there for a little bit and then you're off to the next town and then the next city and and it's it's same with coaching as well you know one one minute you're here and then you're out and then you're at another city and you're just bouncing around it's a it's a gypsy life in a way hey craig well, 13 years sorry we'll go ahead uh, it's interesting to me though because i think craig and jimmy was on a bit of the back end of this is you know in the 70s and 80s we were taught all about loyalty and the game changed when the money came in and Craig started at this level where it was all about loyalty and this loyalty to the town, loyalty to the club, all of all wrapped into it. Mm -hmm. And then it turned into a lot about money and loyalty kind of came away, but they use that loyalty to stranglehold you sometimes to make you feel like what you're doing is best. And this has ha happened not just with professional soccer and football, but across every professional sport. And it's so interesting for me to see the different in, you know, how Craig handled it versus maybe how Jimmy handled it. But even the younger guys now are like loyalty. I just want to play where they pay me the most, where I'm going to get more uh, social media followers and I'm going to enhance my brand. And it's just such an interesting mm -hmm. time now because that didn't exist back in the day. So I don't know, Craig, can you talk about how that was for you? Interesting because I was sold and I did with Ipswich. I mean, obviously it was in their best interest that they sold me on that and the loyalty again to the town and not necessarily about club has been part of the culture and the fabric of that club and so on and so on. But a good example of loyalty is when it falls apart is 
classic example. 13 years there, I moved to West Ham. They didn't give me a testimonial. The loyalty goes out the window when they, they decide it goes out the window. So they do it to suit themselves. So it's a difficult one. I think bottom line is the players have a short window of opportunity to make as much money as they can, quite honestly. And I think that they have to take that into account when they're making decisions about their career outside of the loyalty side of things. Because quite honestly, uh, I have a different different feeling on loyalty now uh, than I used to. Although a guy like Mark Noble, who stayed at West Ham for 18 years and even longer through the youth system, um, that's a really good story in itself as well. But, uh, but they're so rare, aren't they? There's so few Mark Nobles out there. I mean, Christ, top players, Francesco Totti comes off uh top of my head there's, there's, i remember doing a feature on this years ago one club mm-hmm. men you know and there aren't many of them <laughs> there really aren't and if, if you are i guess you're fortunate but there's also a lot to be said i imagine for seeing other clubs and the way other clubs work and other leagues mm-hmm. potentially other countries you know that's, that's fascinating as well that is fascinating and that's something that i experienced at west ham and at chelsea that i never thought i would experience and i didn't and realize and Colchester, yeah, which was a great, you know, and a really good experience from the fact that as much as I want to play professional football, the fourth tier is not where I want to be. It's, a, <laughs> you know, as good as it was for me, but it was a grind and it was physical and it was it was awful. The pitches were terrible and on and on. Yeah. I was like, well, I know I'm being watched right now in all these games, but I don't want to play in the fourth tier, quite frankly, if I can. It's a hard division to play in, sometimes harder than playing in the Premier League. I tell you, just because the players are so much better, you can actually read the game more and easier in the Premier League than you can do in the fourth tier. It's crazy. Amazing. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, Running out of time here, guys. A tweet just came down. The Iranian Football Federation will seek damages from Canada soccer in the amount of $10 million for cancelling the match between Canada and Iran. It's it's one tweet Wunga sent to me. I don't know who it's from. Um, obviously, the game was cancelled yesterday after pressure from governmental pressure, essentially, on Canada soccer, which filtered down to the players. Some players, of course, were considering a boycott as well. Just a mismat- mishandled situation, it seems, from the off and always a strange opponent. We don't know the details, what options there were. Maybe not many clubs were willing to come to Vancouver in June, right? So it's hard to be too critical, but overall, not a good look, Craig. No big teams on the table, primarily because uh, this is a money-earning operation in this particular window, and uh, the countries are going to want several million dollars for an appearance. So that was never uh, uh, an option. Uh, none of them came forward. Uh, a country like Peru, I believe, uh, Japan were an option. Tunisia, uh, they wanted somebody that had the same profile as Morocco and playing outside of your confederation, which I think is really important for the experience of these, uh, of these of this team. Um, uh, John Herbin is in England dealing with some uh, personal issues. And uh, the next thing you know, uh, Iran has uh, been been chosen. Um, but at the same time, I do feel that I don't want the CSA well enough. And when you're making a, a decision on a team, any team, especially a team like Iran, there is contact between you and the government at some level. Who knew about it, but at some level, they would have known. And I would like to know what level that was that passed off on it. Not to say that it was a good decision by the CSA, but somebody passed off on it. 
So I think that some of the blame needs to be passed around more, probably. Um, but they've been left in the cold. On the other hand, the, the, the silence is deafening. Like the CSA just put out a statement and nothing more. Like if, if they just held their hands up and said, listen, this was a football decision. We weren't thinking. And for that, we are sorry. If we upset anybody, hurt anybody, it was insensitive. We are sorry. We put our players that are very diverse in a situation that was unfair on them. And for that, we are sorry. We will be that. That they don't. Nobody nobody wants to hold up their hands and, uh, for accountability. People make mistakes all the time. And if this was generally a, like a, a mistake that's beyond, well, okay, hold your hands up. But who's responsible? Everybody's yeah. quiet. Nobody's saying anything. They're not answering media calls. They're not answering anything. They're just hoping this goes away, just goes away. And they're hoping to find another, trying to find another team to fill this gap. It's not dead and buried yet. We might find some information about that today. We don't uh, later on, but for now, it's going to be difficult. Yeah. yeah, you're right. And you, you, you've got to think as well, you know, that somebody's somebody's had to vote on that on that match and it's interesting to see who voted on it how it got passed and who said okay yep we're signing off and we're going to do this game because nobody knows what's going on and how this actually came to fruition mm -hmm. but a missed opportunity even even if there's a legal way out of this and i do believe that the the, the csa will not be paying 10 million dollars to rent i do believe no. that I, I think there's some legal situations here that will save the CSA. They might have to pay something, but it's not going to be 10 million bucks. But they got a sellout stadium in Vancouver. Great showpiece, great opportunity. And what the heck? You know, you've, you've missed this opportunity really, really badly. And I know I'm not sure how they're going to actually do it. And it's not an ideal situation because there's not that many windows like this. And playing in the, with the, uh, the CONCACAF. League. Nations League, yeah, Nations no, it's, League it's, it's games. Not, yeah, they don't need to play Honduras again. They don't need to play Curacao no. again, but they're going to have to. So that's one situation. And then after that, where they got one? Yeah, exactly. There, there's not many. I mean, if you look at also you look at Iran's opponents over recent years on the road, they're not exactly, you know, there aren't that many, quite frankly, and they're hardly the uh, the power brokers of of world football. So ten million, good luck with that. There was a statement that came out, you know, later yesterday after the initial one, which is very vague. Which, which frustrate a lot of people. Um, and it does say Canada Circle will be conducting a thorough review of our processes for the hosting of international matches to ensure no stone is left unturned in our pursuit of excellence, both on and off the field, including consultation with our stakeholders. We are committed to creating respectful and inclusive environments for teams, players, and fans. But yeah, I, th I think people are, are looking for excuses to hammer the Canada Circle whenever they can. It goes back a many, many years, and they should be held accountable for this. But... Until we know more information, it's hard to know just just how much they are to blame. Let, let's put it that way. Yes, Wonga. I just find uh, Kerry Ryan and I were going back and forth, and media one hundred and one training is if you if you step in your own shit, clean it up, own it, own it. They did not follow through with any of that. Uh, they hid behind this weird little statement of this game is canceled. I'm a big proponent of you are where you are, where you are. And, uh, you know, it seems like they just kept making mistakes. And instead of owning it, they sent out this little comment, like you said, Charms. Then uh, who's who made this decision? We have to do a thorough 
What do you mean? You know who made this decision? There's three, two, two or three people there who made this decision. So mm-hmm. own it. And then the fact that FIFA slash Iran could come after them is devastating. And then you also don't get a good game in. What, like, you could also, to our, I think it was Dunny, Dunny's point back, you know, a week ago when he said, just say that it's a football decision, like Craig said. If you just said, we're going to stick by it. We know it's, you know, there's lots of things going on geopolitically. We could have the same thing happen in Canada. We could have that same thing playing against a team from Honduras, from the United States. You could always make a reason. Was it wise to book this team? Absolutely not. But at the same time, you're just compounding the mistake over and over again. And I don't know, you know, we, I don't know anyone at the CSA other than a couple of people. You guys are much deeper in. I find it confounding that an organization can do this and not be held accountable. And not well, they still held, need to, you know, they still got to hire a CEO, haven't they? Right? Jesus. Sorry. Still. Like, this, what's is still this is still a systems problem over and over again, a systems problem. Mm-hmm. And they, they have to become more professional, just like their team did. Yeah, and we've talked yeah, about, you're right. about that. You they know. do. And they're, and they're basically, you know, you got this professional outfit on the field and doing everything brilliantly well. And the women's and men's side of things, and you got a, you know, amateurs running it behind the scenes and, and also lack of staff. And we were hoping that the money came in and was going to help build and put this into good use in so many ways. And, you know, a joke, they end up might be in the only team that qualifies for the World Cup and ends up losing money by the end of it by making some bad decisions. <laughs> they are got to hire people, bring the money in. You know, Nick Bontis, the president, is an elected official. He's not making money for this. they got to hire professionals to run this organization. Yeah. I don't know what's taking so fun. long. There's a big list, apparently, of, of candidates. Well, yeah. we're waiting. They need football people. That's what they need. Football mm-hmm. people making football decisions. And constantly we see... I seem to see that the CSA, when they're in trouble, where do they go? They make a call to the Canadian Victor Montagliani at CONCACAF. How do we sort this out? So Victor is now in the process with FIFA to do Canada's job to find another team. He's scouring the earth for for a team for Canada to play. You know what I mean? It's like in Vancouver. Victor's running CONCACAF. He can't run Canada and CONCACAF. You're not fucking time for that. It could be a real big opportunity for Pacific FC. Because <laughs> they're in Vancouver right now. They've got to find a team. Jesus. Someone's got to play them. I, I thought you were going to say footy prime. Footy prime. We, all, we, all, we take over the communications team over at uh, oh, I see over at yeah. CSA. And we dress up and we play Canada. Expensive. We, you know we put our best 12 together. You know what they should do if this is an absolute screw up and they can't get another team? Okay. Let the team do their training, do what they yeah. have to do, get the group together. You know what? Get the women and men's teams together, mix them together, put them all out there together, celebrate their the two two uh, you know the successes of the teams, both of them together. All the proceeds go to Christine Sinclair, make it her testimonial because this woman who has played for years and is one of the Canada's greatest athletes, when you think about what's happening with the women's game, she is largely going to miss out financially on the benefits that she helped grow that game to. She's been Great a carded athlete for years and years. Yeah. Bonzi makes more than in a month than she's made in her whole career. Yeah. Give her that and tax Canada, Revenue Canada, give it to her tax free. Leave your. 
fucking hands off it. And I think everybody would feel good about it. It wouldn't be ideal. I think when they get this, but it'd, when they, it'd be fun. When they finally get this uh, Canadian Soccer Alumni Association figured out, I think Craig's got to be the president. Yeah. <laughs> simple as that. Don't you think, hey, Jimmy? He's got your back. El Presidente. Yeah, El Presidente. Yeah. All right, boys, we're out of time. But uh, before we leave you for another couple of days, um, right. it's time for um, Wonga. All right, here's one for you, boys. It's growing on you, Jimmy. No, it's not growing on me. <laughs> Champions League final. You take Liverpool on the money line, right? Mane to score in maybe his last game as a as a red. Take the under at two and a half, plus 583. One nil, Mane, boom. Love it. That's who you're going with? Yeah. Mane's going to have a big game tomorrow. It's last like game. That. He's I moving to like Bayern that. Munich. He's going to have a big game. Why'd you call him? Yeah, I had a chat with him earlier. Yeah. We do most mornings. <laughs> nice guy, isn't he? He's a lovely guy, actually. Lovely guy. He's always smiling, loves his football, but you know, he wants yeah. a challenge elsewhere. Bayern Munich seems to be a good fit with uh, Lewandowski leaving. So, uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Um, Craig, you got a pick? Uh, I'm taking Liverpool. I think this is going to be a cracking game. This going to be some. I'm going to take Liverpool 3-2 with a late winner in the last 10 minutes. Ooh. So, Craig's not taking the under? Uh, well, no. uh, I went to – I moved the under over to three and a half, and I think there'll be a lot of uh, goals too. So, it pays plus 185. I agree with Craig. It's going to be a 3-2 game, but it's going to be 3-1 until like about three minutes left. They'll score one of those, you know, late ones, and Liverpool's going to win 3-2. All right. So Benzema late one, just to make things yeah. interesting. Yep. All right. Jimmy? I'm going to say uh, Liverpool 2-1. Um, I think Robertson's going to have a, a great game after talking with him. Uh, <laughs> he seems really positive and up for up for the match so uh, i fancy him scoring all right um dunlop's not here but uh jc is so uh, in lieu of dunlop jc you got some beautiful sultry tones of course so uh what do you hey, have by the way can i make can i just say something is do you think dunlop called ronaldo to get some tips about real madrid i'm sure he calls him all the time I'm sure yeah, he probably had that, didn't he? Ronaldo never picks up. But... Had that conversation. <laughs> yeah. He, followed, he, he phones him naked in his bedroom. Hey, Ronaldo's Christian. got cops on him. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Want to know what I'm doing? <laughs> so am I picking on behalf of Brennan Dunlop what I think Brennan Dunlop would do? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, in that case, I'm going to say uh, Madrid uh, 16 and <laughs> Liverpool uh, two red cards and nothing. I think that's exactly so what he would have 16 said. 16 nil, and then it's down to nine men. So that's I think that's you nailed it. There it is. Yeah, and that comes at about <laughs> wait, 25. Wait, hold on, let me one. just let me just uh, run my hands through my hair. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have a little taste. Have a little taste, oh. JC. Mm, chocolate. You look Portuguese <laughs> a little bit, JC. <laughs> I feel Portuguese, you know? It's nice. Good feel. <laughs> right, boys. That's it for this Friday's edition of Footy Prime. Uh, I think we're back on Sunday. We'll talk about that Champions League and uh, more importantly, that the, the game that actually got more minutes today than the Champions League did, the promotion playoff final. 
Huddersfield Forest. We'll talk that as well. Hope you enjoyed that, everyone. Uh, Jimmy, Craig, JC, Wonga. It's been a pleasure. I'm Shams. Uh, keep buying newspapers. Cheers. Bye. <laughs> hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.